Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 56 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes365 and Andrew at AMCQ82. And if you haven't done so yet, go join our Baseball365 Facebook group where baseball lives through the where baseball lives there 365 days a year. But I guess this year is leap year day. So maybe I guess this year baseball lives 366 days a year. We'll have to figure that one out whenever we get to leap year. Maybe I'll just turn off commenting that day to keep to the tradition. But anyway, we appreciate you all listening to us and letting us be a small part of your week. And tonight we're going to be talking about outfielders and we're going to this is going to be episode number 1 of I think what'll be three podcasts where we're going to record and discuss outfield ADP as as it is on NFBC. Uh, if you would like to support the show, the other way to do it is by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you could do that, if you haven't done so yet, we would greatly appreciate it. That just helps get our get ourselves noticed a little more with the powers to be at Apple. And now, let me bring in Andrew... And just like last episode, Andrew, I started off with a new question or with a question for you. And I've got a new one, which is something I asked in the Baseball 365 Facebook group the last couple days, a couple days ago. We have a lot of members in multiple dynasty leagues, as you and I both are. I'm in two dynasty leagues and you're in what, four now? Or is it five? Four, Four, yeah. Okay. Who are the major and minor league players that you have on the most of your dynasty teams? Al, I'll let uh, you start. Who are yours? When I when you posted this, I went and looked right away because I was uh, just interested. You know, I knew a couple of them. But major league, uh, Emmanuel Classe, the reliever that the Indians got in the Kluber trade. I got him in mm-hmm. three out of three out of four leagues. And it's mostly just because um, he kind of had some helium last year in the same week, and I just happened to bid on him and get him in three out of the four. So that's why I have him. Uh, I have a lot of major leaguers in, on two teams. There's probably like 15 or 16 of them, actually. It was a lot, but he's the only one on three. And then minors, Marco Luciano and Luis Toribio, both young guys in the – uh, giant system on all four. So uh, I was about to say, I think you have Luciano on all four. I didn't know if Terebio was. Yeah. So. Yeah. Both all four. I think there's several prospects that I probably have on three of the four, but I didn't really go into that just because I had those on four. So I yeah, let they're it, your top guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm only in two dynasties, which means I'm more likely to have more players because there's only two leagues we're going from. And I have four major leaguers on both teams. Austin Meadows, Jack Flaherty, and Tommy Edmond. Edmond is my classe. I picked him up that week whenever he was a hot pickup. I, I managed to get him on both teams and, yeah, rode that wave last year. And then, don't be jealous too much about here, but Tyler Beatty is number four. And then um, minor leaguers, I've got Julio Rodriguez, who I traded for 
in both leagues last year and Jonathan India. So we both got one of those top tier prospects on I two for two for me and then four for four for you with you having Luciano and me having Rodriguez. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. Yes. Like having the kids because those kids can get helium and either can, if you hold on to them before when they come up, they could be exciting or nice trade chip as you're trying to compete. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I really don't, I was going to talk about any news that popped up. I didn't really see anything too big going on this, this last week that I'm going to talk about now. So we'll just move over to the outfield position. And this episode, like I said, is going to be part one. And I think we'll be three parts as we're going to go through this position. You ready to get started, Andrew? Absolutely. Let's do it. Fun position. And most of our leagues are 15 teams and up. So in that format, you're starting five outfielders. So knowing that in a typical 15-team league where 75 at least outfielders are started, maybe more if you're at counting utility where some of them are playing. How do you feel about the position this year? Uh, well, it's always, I feel like it's always easy to say that outfield's deep, but I don't know, a league where you start five, which is most of mine, like you mentioned, and I know yours too. Uh, I feel like it's not really deep. I mean, I don't want to wait too long. It's definitely not a spot where you want to be short and feel like you're weak because you have to start five of them. And it's just not something that, you know, you just want to be fairly strong there, at least on your top three or four. I don't mind churning like my fifth guy, but my top three or four, I I like to be pretty aggressive on them and just kind of get it out of the way. You say be aggressive. When in the draft would you like to have, let's say, your third or fourth outfielder taken by when? Uh, maybe like round eight to 10. Wow. Okay. That's very aggressive. My third, my third, I would say. Yeah. I feel the same way about this position as I did last year. I like, I'm totally, I'd love to get one early, but I don't feel like it's a must. But my big thing I have been the last few years is I want to have my fourth, fifth outfielder by around 15, 16. I like having the position filled up by then. And because I don't like the end game grabbing guys. I mean, if you're churning out a fifth outfielder, that's all right. But I really, I'm, but I can go a little later than you. I think I like a lot of the guys that we'll talk about in those mid teen rounds as uh, either some floor guys and some upside guys that I'm pretty happy taking at that. So I think I'm willing to wait a little longer than you and Obviously, the top is beautiful. So if you can get one of the top guys, that's great. If not, I don't. If you end up with an infielder, I don't. uh, Let me put it this way: I've done drafts where I haven't taken one in the in the first few rounds, and I've had drafts where I've taken them in the first three rounds. I've done a mock this off season where I did, and I liked how my outfield came out in both. So I don't really worry too much about it. I just I don't want to be waiting till end game near the reserve rounds before I'm taking my fourth, fifth outfielders. Yeah. I, I think once you get around like the OF four, OF five territory, they're kind of all the same. I mean, on Mm -hmm. some level, like you're, you're kind of rotating those guys anyways. And we all have our guys in that area that we like, 
but you don't want to depend on three or four of those or even Agreed. five. I mean, you want to have your two, preferably for me, at least three that you're just going to always have in there that are rock solid, you know? So, yeah, I think top end, I like to get them. And then I don't mind waiting and just taking, say, four or five for those last one or two slots. Yeah. In your lineup. A lot of times you have, you're going to be playing one at utility too. So yes. Depends, but. And once again, I do have last year's top 10 to go over here. And I find it very interesting to look at this list. Uh, just going down the list of the top 10, Mike Trout was the number one overall player last year. One, one average. Mookie Betts was one, one eight, which is something that maybe people forget, but there were drafts where he was going number one ahead of Trout. He was not the average position of two. He was the average position of 1-1-8. And J.D. Martinez was going fifth overall as the third outfielder coming off of the MVP caliber. I don't. He didn't win MVP two years ago, did he? I think he just was in finished no. right there in the voting, though. I think him and yeah. Mookie were right there. Uh, Christian Yelich was number sixth overall last year fourth outfielder Ronald Acuna was the fifth outfielder off the board going eighth overall Aaron judge. He went in the second round at 17th overall. He was a sixth outfielder. Bryce Harper, who had just signed with the Phillies was the seventh outfielder at 19 at pick 19. Giancarlo Stanton with the Yankees was pick number 22. Charlie Blackman was ninth outfielder at pick 26 and Andrew Benatendi. All the way up there in the top 10 at pick 29 overall. So I don't have much of a reaction to the top five, but man, that back half of from the top 10 from last year sure looks a lot different today than it did a year ago. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, there's still still not too bad. I mean, it's still seven guys that are in the top 10. Yeah. And so I, that's not I, bad. I mean, I guess really the more, top seven. Yeah, and there's two more that are we'll be talking about tonight here in the top. Whatever we're doing, fifteen, eighteen. So yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's actually pretty good, but there's obviously a couple that have dropped off. Yeah, I didn't say that part. I think we're going to go eighteen deep on this podcast. If we go a little longer than I'm expecting, maybe we'll cut it at fourteen. But I have a feeling we're going to do the top eighteen and. You may wonder why I some of these I'm stopping at certain points. It's kind of going off. I'm trying to go off of tiers. And if I see a group of people five picks apart from each other and then there's a 10-player drop-off, I've been trying to cut it off on those tiers as compared to just 1 through 10 or 1 through 20 or something like that. I'm trying to tier them has really been my thought process with this. So I opened it up to the Facebook group a few days ago for questions about the outfield, and we had a bunch of good ones, and I'm going to start right off with James Boyd Sims' question. He asked, which team has the best outfield and which team has the worst outfield? Now, James didn't specify fantasy or reality, but since we mostly talk fantasy baseball here, we'll just keep it at fantasy. So, Andrew? We'll start with best. Who do you think has the best fantasy outfield out there right now? So right now, 
I would say there's a few really good ones. I would say the Nationals right now. Hmm, Soto, okay. Soto, Robles, and Eaton. I think that's pretty good. Uh, if we're counting J.D. Martinez as an outfielder, I would say Boston. But he's slated to be their DH, so that obviously changes it. And then I think, like, in a year, it'll be Atlanta. Um, they just – it's Acuna, Ozuna. Ozuna now. And then kind of a blank until they bring somebody up. So We're sorry, Nick, yeah. for Kekis' family. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah, won't I mean, even mention a, your name. It's a pretty big step down. I mean, if you put Waters or Pache in that spot, it looks a lot better. So – but yeah, I would say one of the, those three were the ones that came to mind. My top one, I when I did it was the Yankees. I went with the Yankees here with Judge and Stanton. Yeah. I just think they're both so good. It is a drop off to the third with Brett Gardner, but I still just think Brett Gardner is a really good player that I like a lot. So I picked them. But yeah, the Braves are de- and the Nats are definitely up there. Now I think the bigger argument's who's the worst, and there's a couple options here. So, who did you pick as your worst outfield? Tigers, not close. Okay, so you went Tigers. I wrote them down. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Stewart, Jacoby Jones, and Victor Reyes. That's pretty <laughs> rough. I, I guess my second, my other one I had was the Giants. Alex was, Dicker, yes. Alex Dickerson, Stephen Duggar, and Mikey Stromsky. Those are the two. I thought. It, I thought really either one. I, I think they're both pretty terrible. Now, yeah. Miami is an honorable mention. They've got Brian Anderson and Corey Dickerson, and that's yeah, you know that's, fine. that's at least okay. But when you have Lewis Brinson slated to be your center fielder right now, that automatically knocks you down a couple slots. <laughs> but yeah. um, the one that's pretty rough that it's crazy because this is uh, as compared to San Francisco, Miami, and Detroit. This is a team that people think could be a playoff team this year, but the St. Louis Cardinals outfield right now as currently slated on roster resource is Dexter Fowler, Harrison Bader, and Tommy Edmond or Tyler O'Neill. And you know you know who I th- you know who I thought you were going to say cuz I think that? this one's bad, Toronto. Yeah, Tor- Toronto's is bad. Yeah. They're at least a I rebuilding team. I think it was I didn't even look at theirs. Let's see. Yeah. Gert, Lourdes Gurriel, Gritchick, and Derek Fisher. Yeah. Gritchick, that's not great. Gr- Gritchick in center. And I've so. been long known as a non fan of Randall Gritchick and his inability to hit right handers and get on base at all against them or have a. Ter- I think his OPS against right handers is absolutely dreadful, also. So, yeah, that, is, that one's pretty rough, also. But you picking Detroit. I went San Francisco was my pick, but I think both of them are pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, they're bad. Okay, well, let's get into this year's outfielders, and I don't think we can talk one, two, or three separately without starting off talking about them together because they're the top three ADPs in NFBC, and that would be Ronald Acuna at 142, Mike Trout at 2.26, and Christian Yelich. At 2.51. And we talked about these guys before. 
whenever we were talking about the first round ADPs from a couple months ago, but we've had a couple months since then. So Andrew, right now in redrafts, we're starting to do drafts. What order are you drafting these three? Man, I tell you, these three are so close to me that if I have any control over it, I do I do not want the number one pick this year. I don't want it. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't want to have to make this decision. If I have to make it, and I'll go into a little bit as to why, but I'm pretty sure I would take Mike Trout number one. So you still would go Trout, which I think whenever we polled last on Baseball 365, I think more people yeah, were I, taking Trout than Acuna. I put it up. Yeah, I put it up probably about two, three weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. So you're yeah. with the majority of Baseball 365 on that. And the NFBC has it differently. They're going Acuna first and... You're not wrong for going either one. I think I'd go Acuna. I think I'm still going to shoot for that steals. I'm. We'll get we'll get to Trout in the steals here in a bit, but there's questions. I mean, you can write a question about both. I mean, Acuna still struck out at a pretty high, much higher rate than Trout does, and Trout's got to have the best lineup is the around him that he's possibly going to have. But Yelich, let. You, let me ask this then before we go into these three individually. If you had your choice then, would your first choice in the draft be to have the third pick? Yes. Okay. I think I would take the second. And we'll get to why here in a second. But um, we'll just go into Acuna first here. He's the first guy to unseat Trout here as the number one overall player since Trout took that spot. From Miguel Cabrera, after his big rookie season in 2013 drafts, they were kind of neck and neck at that first year with Cabrera, I think, had the triple crown versus Trout, who had the amazing 50-steal season that year. Acuna hit 280 with 41 home runs and 37 steals with 127 runs and 101 RBI. And they just announced last weekend that, that he's going to hit leadoff again this year. So 41 plus 37, that's 78 home runs plus steals. And I'm going to give you the over under here at 70. Are you going to take the over or the under on that 70 home runs plus steals for Acuna? Uh, I think it's about right. I'd probably say if I had to pick, I'd probably say slightly under, but it's really close. Yeah, steamer steamer has sixty six. Yeah, I think it's like in there sixty six, sixty eight, somewhere in there. So you would take the under. Hmm. Do I want to try betting the over on no, seventy home I'm runs not, plus steals? I'm not betting against. Robert oh come on, it's for grins. No, I'm not. <laughs> Can't get you to do it on that one. These top three guys, I'm not doing anything. So, yeah. I might try to get on here. I just feel like I feel like that they're like I said, there's no this is as even as it gets, these three. So no arguing. There's there there's definitely I should say there's no arguing. They're you know, they're all had incredible seasons last year and could easily all three be the top three players in fantasy this year. So okay, let's move on to Trout. 
He's finally been unseated, mostly like unseated here from this top slot, mostly due to his drop in steals going from 24 in 2018 down to 11 last year. Now, like I said, he looks to have the best lineup around him this year with the addition of Anthony Rendon. And I went and looked. His career highs in RBI is 111. And this is a tough position or um, category to predict. But I do want to ask for Grins here. Does he crack 112 and have a career high in RBIs this year? Which I wrote up. I wrote that question up before looking at the steamer production and got a chuckle when I saw that steamer actually projects him for 112. So I set the over under right on what steamer projected. Yeah, over. I think I'm with you there. Having a guy like Rendon behind him when he's, I mean, he spent the last few years having Albert Pujols behind him. That's well, gonna, you said this is RBI, though. So correct. Not gonna, yeah. yeah, but, but I he, he's walking 20% of the time, and I think part of the reason is he's got Albert Pujols sitting behind him. Yeah. I, thi- I think when fair. you put a guy like Rendon, it's just, I know Trout's the best hitter on the planet, but Rendon's just a lot better than what's been behind him. And he's had Otani behind him a lot of the last two years. So it's not completely the same, but Rendon's still a better hitter than Otani even. And it's going to be Otani plus Rendon hitting behind him as compared to just Otani. I think it just, it's harder to just keep moving the line and putting moving him to first base in the same amount of situations as it has been the last few years. You could probably you could probably say Rendon's the best hitter that he's ever had hitting behind him, right? Unless you want to say Pujols that first year. No way, not in it, not in L.A. He wasn't Rend- as good as Rendon is now. Ah, uh, you're gonna have, you're gonna make me go I'm look. Unless I'm remembering wrong, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Let's go look at Pujols in 2012, his first season. That was the breakout. He hit 285 with 30 home runs, 8 RBI, 343 on base. Yeah. How many RBI? Uh, uh, 105. But yeah, 285 with a 343 OBP. His walk rate had dropped significantly already at that point. Yeah, it, yeah with the Cardinals that last year in 2011, it was a career low 9.4%, and it dropped down to 7.8% that next year. Either way, year. What, year, what year was that, though? 2012. That's Trout's rookie year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So maybe one year. But I don't, I mean, Rendon's numbers last year are better than what Pools is here. That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you're right, though. I think Rendon is the best hitter to hit behind him. Yeah. But yeah I'm in agreement there. So, okay. We're, take, we're saying that Trout has a career high in RBI. Now, I didn't put this in the notes, but I. Forgot to ask it in the notes, but what about the steals here? Trout, you know, he had a the dip down to 11. Is it going to go back up? Because that's the big question about him. You're going to get the steady production, but you, for him to be better than Acuna, you need the steals, and they've got him projected for 14. Would See, you- I, I don't, I disagree with that. I don't think you need the steals okay. because if he gets the steals then he's definitely better than Acuna. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, like, that's the only thing keeping him potentially 
behind him. To me, I mean, like just looking at everything, you know, it's like the only argument to take Acuna ahead of Trout really is the steals. That's it. So if they come back up, which, yeah, I think they can. I don't know if they will. I mean, it really will just come down to Madden's philosophy, how much they're going to let him run, how much he's going to want to run. I mean, do I still think he can steal bases? Of course. I think he could go out there and steal 30 bases this year if he wanted to. It wouldn't if he surprise wanted, me, I agree. wouldn't surprise me one bit. And I think that's why the more I've thought about this, I'm just going with Trout. Because even if, if he doesn't do it, I'm still getting the best bat. And if he does do it, I'm easily getting the best player. That's really all it is. Fair argument. I won't argue with it. I think I'd go Acuna, but it's... We're splitting hairs here. I I've do agree few, with that. I've got a few other numbers I'll go into after after we get through Yelich. I just on Trout. Think, yeah, you got Trout numbers? Well, all three of them. But okay. I think as far as just the steals go, yeah, I won't be surprised if it's what it was last year. But just as much as I won't be surprised if it bounces back up to like twenty to twenty five. I don't expect thirty. Like I, you know, I'm saying that he could get that, but. No, I, I I could see it being anywhere from 10 to 25, depending mm-hmm. on how much they let him run, how much he wants to run, all that stuff. I can get behind that. Okay, let's talk about Yelich, and then we'll get into your stats. Yelich, you know, in 2018, in his first season with the Brewers, he absolutely blew up in the second half, and he did not slow down last year. That's why he was going in the second half of the first round, and I know I was very vocal last year in the preseason that I was not buying into what he did in the second half just because of that crazy home run to fly ball rate. And Yelich shoved it again last year. He kept the pace for hundred his first 130 games with a 329 batting average with 44 home runs and 30 steals. Again, in 130 games before breaking his kneecap and missing the rest of the season. So before that injury... I think there were a lot of people thinking I might just go Yelich number one because now he's done this for a year and a half. But does this injury give you any pause on Yelich this year? I mean, by the way you're talking, I'm thinking you're going to say no, but between his age, you know, he's not old by any means, but he's 28. That's around the age Trout or Trout was 28 last year whenever his steals started dropping off. But the injury, I think, is more what gives me, has me a little wary just because after a guy had, has a injury like that. I wonder if they are going to choose to slow him down or he is just to stay on the field. And I'd probably still take him third, but I'm not sure I, how comfortable I feel about it. What are what are your thoughts overall on Yelich here in the third hole? I guess I think you're more optimistic than I am, right? Yeah, I am. Um, I like, what do you, I mean, when you say his steals fall off, what number are you talking? What if I'm thinking that maybe it's 10 to 15? I'm not saying it will be, but I have a fear that after an injury like that, he just decides, you know what, my bat is so valuable to this team. Well, the team tells him that. We need you staying. We we don't want you getting out there with the after coming off of this injury. Take it easy this year. No, that's, yeah, and that's fair. I, I actually could see him stealing, like, 15 bases. I mean, okay. I think that that's, I think that's close to the floor though. 
I mean, <laughs> you know, closer to the floor than the ceiling, obviously. I, I mean, the biggest thing with Yelich is the last two years, he's hit 326 and 329. Yeah, that is pretty incredible. I mean, like, that batting average floor is just... Like, when you say, does it give you pause? I don't really know what that means because it gives me more pause than I have with Trout, but it's not like, I mean, we're talking about the first and the second or third guy on my list, you know? Yeah. I just don't really, it doesn't really give me pause, no, because his ceiling is the number one player, hands down. Agreed. I mean, he can hit 330. He was pacing for, uh, you know, basically 330 with like 50 bombs and 30 plus steals. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, he stole 30. No, he he was pacing for probably yeah, more like he, he might have gone 30, 50, 40. He might have gone 50, 40. Yeah, that's probably pushing it. But yeah, I mean, it's just everything. It was just video game, you know, so. No, I'm not really concerned. Everything says he's going to be ready for spring training, and I mean, you just kind of have to go off of that. I think i i uh, I don't see how you can take him lower than this, unless you just have it as part of your strategy that you're taking a pitcher in the top three, which I've yeah. seen some people do, and that's okay if that's part of your strategy. But I don't see too much of an argument to as to taking him. As lower than the third hitter off the board, Agreed. let's just say. So, agreed. I'm. I would take him third. Also, I just. I don't know. I get worry off of a serious injury like that knee injury. I just. I don't know. It's. It may be overreacting to the to what happened because it does take away. It's, I mean, he was an absolutely incredible last year, and I might be taking him. I might have him second overall if it wasn't for that injury. So, okay. So you said you had some good yeah. stats. Let's let's hear. Well, them. I just got. I just basically what I wanted to do, kind of with these three guys, to just get an idea of the how valuable each of them were. What I did was I just put in their steamer projection and calculated. Went to the fan FanGraphs auction calculator and had it spit it out. Uh, so just going by category here, this is. Steamer projections for 2020. Batting average, Acuna 282, Trout 297, Yelich 305. Homers, Acuna 37, Trout 44, Yelich 36. Steals, Acuna 29, Trout 14, Yelich 22. And then runs and ribbies, Trout had the most of both. Acuna had the least of both. So when you plug all that in, and I'm not saying that steamer is the be-all, end-all. I just did it for this. I mean, you can slightly adjust some of those numbers if you want to. I get it. Trout comes out to be worth $36.9, Yelich 35.8, and Acuna 33.1. That's interesting, though. And I just wanted a true value put on those stats. Like like I said, those obviously aren't going to be the stats they end up with. But I think as I look at them, they're pretty close. I mean, yeah, you, you know, like I said, you can adjust it a little bit here and there. But I think it's pretty close. And 
Yeah, man. I, it's tough. If you ask me in a few weeks, I might have a different answer. Honestly, <laughs> they're so they're so close, and I really just don't want the first pick because the other day in the um, what was it the uh, one of Tim's mocks, I picked out of the three hole and I got Trout, <laughs> and I got Harper on the way back. Oh man! And I you were loving life. Just like. Oh, I was just loving life. It was just, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I can get Trout in t- at two or three, I mean, that's just great. I, I have no problems with Acuna at one. I mean, I know that he could go 40, 40 and easily, you know, if, if Acuna does last year again, this year, next year, you know, I probably would take him one, but and in, a dynasty, in a dynasty league, I would take Acuna one. Yes. But in a redraft in a one year sprint, I don't know, man. I just I just don't know if I'm there yet to have it not be trout. But it is close, close as it's ever been. All three of these guys have a damn good argument. So good arguments there. Okay, well we'll move on to number four, and that's Mookie Betts at fifth overall. And Mookie went 30-30 in 2018, won the MVP, and was clearly up there as a top-two player in redrafts last year, with some making the argument that you could take him number one over Trout. Just like Altuve the year before, Harper a couple years before that. And while he was still had a solid 295 batting average with 29 home runs, the disappointment came with only 16 steals. And... Steamer is projecting close to the same here with 32 home runs and 18 steals. So, Andrew, again, let me give you the over-under. 50 home runs plus steals that they have him projected for. Which side are you on? Uh, I'm going to take the over on that. Okay. I, uh, I could see Mookie having his best year yet this year. Yeah. I just, you know, these guys, they they fluctuate a little bit up and down, you know, and it's like Betts is a little lower than he's been. A little bit of a down year last year, but not really. I mean, 391 OBP, 135 runs scored. He's still the same guy. I mean, it's just, you know. I, I People think overreact probably, to the moment. Yeah, I think he's probably in the – Low 30s in homers, if I had to project, and like 20-ish steals, low 20s in steals. But, yeah, I just – I think he's going to have a huge year. I do. Whether – you know, whether it's on Boston or or somebody else, he'll be playing for a big contract, and I I can definitely see it. So, and I like guys him. are humans. I think I – think, sorry, real quick. I think he's close – I think he's actually kind of close to – to the top three he's definitely four but like he's clearly my four yeah especially if i'm not taking a pitcher i'm not taking like the other bats over bets yeah i'm with you and he's a human and he's a guy who's on a contract year who has had offers to him for long-term extensions and he's bet on himself like i'm just going to play through this and get the big contract and i I see he, him as the type of guy who could go out there and be more motivated and go out there and steal more bases this year and try to make those stats look better going into it. And I, I don't know. I don't always think that way with everybody, but yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I could easily see this being Mookie's best year yet. 
with a, I mean, maybe he goes out and steals 30 and hits 30 and goes 30-30 again. And with, man, with the way he's scoring runs, 129 in 2018, and he backs that up with 135 this last year. That's insanity for runs. Yeah. Uh, one of the most yeah. overlooked categories in fantasy. Yeah, so. yeah, it really is. He's he's awesome. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he finished ahead of one or even two of the the three guys going at the top. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Now, what about dynasty? Because Mookie is twenty seven years old, and he is a smallish guy. To where you don't look at that guy and think this guy's gonna. As he gets older, he's going to get more power and less speed. I just think it personally, we may see less speed happen. And that does make me personally a little wary. It reminds me of Andrew McCutcheon as he started aging. He, you know, his value dropped quickly. And I think Mookie's shown more power during his peak than McCutcheon showed. But I can't help but think about that when I think about Mookie as he's entering the late 20s, getting ready to go into 30s. What are your thoughts on him in terms of dynasty conversations about him? Uh, I mean, he's fine. I, this this point next year or the year after, you know, he'll obviously any, everybody's going to drop off at some point. I mean, I still think it's probably a two to three years away, maybe more. Uh, I I feel like the power and the speed could drop at the same time. But I would still take him just a few picks later than this in the dynasty. I mean, and it's more to do with, like, the next guy we're going to talk about, just the younger mm-hmm. guys. You know, it's really more about that than it is about Mookie. It's not even really about Mookie. So I think he's fine for now, and I think I'll be more concerned about it in a year or two. But something in the back of my head, I've always felt like the power and the steals will kind of drop together but that could that could easily be wrong too yep also true there are guys out there like starlin Marte still stealing pacing for 30 plus most years okay uh number five overall is cody bellinger at fifth overall on the adp and we discussed him on the first base podcast so if you did not listen to that go download it and you can hear us talk about cody bellinger and then we get into Juan Soto, sixth outfielder, going 12th overall. Soto is on top of the world right now at 21 years old. He had a magnificent 2019 season with a 282 average, 34 home runs, 110 runs, 110 RBI, and double digits he got in with 12 steals. And on top of that, the guy was a big part of their World Series championship run just last fall. This guy's king of the world right now. Yeah. Oh, man. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's just. I know what I was just, doing at 21, and it wasn't what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> man, there's just no words for this guy. 1,153 plate appearances so far in his career. That's All counting minor leagues, right? No, 1153, that's major and minor? That's major and minor. Okay. I'm sorry, I lost my spot. 162-game average. His averages per 162 games, 34 homers, 113 runs scored, 110 RBI, 10 steals, 
287-403-535 slash line with a 16.2% walk rate. All of that at age 19 and 20. I mean, like, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what else to say. If you wanted to take Juan Soto at two in a dynasty league, and honestly, maybe even one, I wouldn't even fight you. I yeah. wouldn't. No, I, because I get it. He's such, he's such a great hitter, and all of those skills like that he possesses, they're not going away. Like, they're just going to – those are the ones that last. Like, he's not relying on speed, and he's never going to have the ridiculous ceiling that Acuna has. Like, he's never going to go 40-40 or any of that stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here 10 years from now and he's just doing the exact same thing. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. He's bad to ball and everything. You know, it's just remarkable. 21 years old, I mean. I don't even know what else to say. The guy's ridiculous. He is ridiculous. He's incredible, and he's just getting started. I mean, for the, there are for the, there are not holes in this guy's game. Yeah. Uh, offensively, I should say. Defensively, he's okay. He's not great. I, actually, he's not really that good of a defender out there in the field. But when you're talking just offensively, he's absolutely incredible. The guy... My my favorite thing about him whenever he was coming up is hearing that this guy, when he gets to two strikes, he just chokes up on the bat, shortens his swing. And that's just something you don't hear in today's game. You don't hear people yeah. doing those type of things. And he was out there doing it at 19 years old. As it, I mean, in 2018, he started the year in low A, coming back from injuries in the previous year. And a month later, he was in the big leagues showing – the type of the tendencies he looked like a a seasoned veteran that's 28 years old in his prime out there it's just incredible yeah no kidding just unbelievable okay i guess you took my next question which was is he a top five dynasty guy you say not only that but you could argue number two well or one i don't want i don't want to get ahead of myself i mean i would probably take him like between three and five yeah. in the dynasty league. I would still take Acuna and Trout ahead of him. After that, I don't know. I might take him third. I might take him fourth. I might take him fifth. But he's in there. And I'm just saying that if you really, really wanted him, I don't think anything is too crazy when you have a guy that hasn't played a regular season game yet at age 21 and has put up what he's put up already. Yeah. Like, what are you even worried about? You know, it's – You've got it all in front of you, and the guy's already a stud. There's no risk. I mean, I, there's just – yeah, I, I could go on for a long time about this guy's future. I mean, he's just – he's so good, and it's just – it's not going to go away for a long, long time. I've got my dynasty startup rankings that I've written up, and I've got – I know where I have them locked in right now, and I don't think that's going to change. And Yeah, he's up there. I'll just – Leave it at that. He's definitely up there in the draft. He's definitely a top five player at this point to me also. Yeah. And we sl- we dra- drop off. You know, Juan Soto is at 12. You know, we go from Bellinger at fifth overall to Soto at 12 in redraft. And then it's another dip as the next outfielder is J.D. Martinez all the way down at 23 overall. 
And like I said, he had an MVP caliber 2018 season, which had him as a top 10 player last year. And it isn't like he was bad last year, but he did come back to the field with a 304 batting average, 36 home runs, and around 200 runs plus RBIs totaling those together. Uh, so he was really good. I think really the juice ball and home runs being up and his numbers just scaling back a bit. I think that's dipped his price. And I, I don't think I was in love with his price last year, but I will add that I th- I really like his price here at 2020. I, I could definitely get in on this at 23 overall. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he's fine. Um, power and average elite. Steamer projection, 120 RBIs. That's most in the league. So, yeah, I mean, he is what he is. A lot of power, a lot of average. Like I said, barrel percentage has dropped a couple straight years. So just something to keep an eye on, 19.5% to 16% to 12%. So they're kind of – they're not like tiny – tiny drop-offs it's kind of a steady decline there but it's a couple years i mean it's hasn't shown up in the numbers yet he is a little bit older but uh yeah everything everything looks good with jd there's there's not really nothing to worry about i think the reason you're in or out on him where he's going is probably just a, a team construction thing it's you know whether or not you want to just go here with your second round pick getting no steals or, you know, however you feel about that. So some people probably love it. Some people are probably not in on it. Just kind of depends. Yeah. I've gladly take him here at this spot where I'm not loving a lot of outfielders, but let me ask you him versus the next outfielder who they're pretty much two picks apart here. And that's Bryce Harper, the most scrutinized player in baseball. Harper, seems like he's overrated or underrated depending on who you're talking to. And in his move from Washington to Philly, people speculated Harper could hit 40 home runs last year. If I recall, some, someone was even saying that if he hit was hitting in Philly that previous season, he would have had 50 plus home runs just having Philly as his home park, but his home runs didn't go up as much. They only went up one bomb from 34 to 35 but he did steal 15 bags in 18 attempts. So batting average, not as high as JD, more steals. Well, who would you rather have right now in a redraft league, Harper or JD? Man, that's tough. It, it really, I think it Construction. just comes down to um, JD's batting average versus Harper's steals. That's really what it is. I think power, like home runs and stuff, I think they're going to be close. So. You would think you would favor J.D. on the RBI, but not by a lot. I mean, yeah. Steamer. Yeah, that stuff is – I mean, they have them projected for a little bit more, I guess. I I think it's pretty close. I might slightly lean J.D. like this, but it's close. It just depends on how you want to play it and batting average thing, you know, like how much you buy into the – the batting average being higher for JD, yeah. I guess. But thing with Harper, I mean, I know we've said it a hundred times. It's like we know we both love Harper. His batting average does just it bounces all over the place. Last five years, 330, 243, 319, 249, and 260 last year. 
uh, last year, he had 16 homers and 395 plate appearances in the first half and more homers, 19 in about 100 less plate appearances in the second half, 108, 287 plate appearances in the second half, 10 for 10 in steals after the All-Star break. The thing with Harper is if I knew, like if you could tell me right now that Bryce Harper this season would hit 282.90. He's a first-round pick. I would take him probably like five or six overall. Yeah, agreed. Or seven, like in in the, you know, after the top handful of guys, five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. He'd be in Bellinger range. I mean. Right, yeah. That's all it really is to me is just where does his average end up? And last year, his expected batting average was 279. That's fine, you know. And if he randomly hits one of these years, hits 300, he's going to win people leagues. I mean, Mm -hmm. because everything else is there. So that's uh, that's really really what it is. I mean, last year he was the 22nd hitter. In dollars earned on fan graphs. So about about where he's going. Where did you say was his ADP again? His ADP is 26. 25.93, yeah. Yeah, so that's about right. But yeah, I think he's in about the right spot. Uh, It's kind of one of those things where there's a little bit of variance with, with the average, but I still feel the upside is really high with him. And last year, it's just, I've been saying it all off season and even like right as the season ended last year, but it just cracks me up so much that this guy gets dogged. Like he does. It's like Harper's been terrible. Oh man, what a bad year. His first year in Philly. And he puts up 35 home runs and 15 stolen bases. And it's like an awful season. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's comical how much people hate this guy. And I'm definitely not one of them. I know you're not either. It's just, uh, it's kind of ridiculous, to be honest. But, it's yeah, the fact that people don't like him, the person. Yeah, They don't like the flair that he has, the flowing hair, is, and, you know, the fact that he had so much fanfare coming up and he seems cocky that people can't stand him. And they let that get in the way. And they're just, lo- I, I fully believe that people are just looking for reasons to dislike him. I think that's what a big part of it is with him. Now, yeah. I say that if he was hitting, if he was going 30 30, and if he was doing what Trout's done the last few years, people wouldn't be able to do that. They'd just be saying they don't like him. But whenever it's somebody you don't like and they aren't hitting that first overall pick level, yeah, that people said that they, that, when they had so much fanfare coming up, yeah, they're just going to call him a bust whenever he's not a bust. He's a really, really, really good player. He's just not Mike Trout. And that's not that's that's not fair to sit there and say, you suck because you're not Mike Trout. Yeah. Now, I do want to, you were talking about the batting average. Are you concerned at all with the rising strikeout rate? Because it has gone up the last three years in a row. Just in 2016, it was 18%. And since then, it's gone 20, 24, and this last year is 26.1%. Is that concerning to you? 
Do you know who else has a 26% strikeout rate? Ronald Acuna. Bingo. Yep. I'm not worried about it. I'll say call. this. Though. Good, good call. I did not think you would just blurt it out like that. So good. Call. <laughs> I own Acuna, so I kn- I know it. And I just yeah. knew immediately. I'm like, oh, I know where you're going with this one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think but, basically all I was going to say is I'm as worried about that as you would be about Acuna. Like, we're not, I'm not worried about Acuna's either. You know, it's just yes. kind of the same to me. I think if Bryce Harper was a right-handed hitter, he probably would be hitting for the same type of average Acuna does. I think that's where the problem comes is when you're striking out more and you're a left-handed hitter, that puts a lot of pressure on that batting average because people are shifting and it's just harder to hit for average as a left-handed hitter. I don't know if that's factual, but I, that that is my belief without actually doing the digging. Or do you? What are you, I, I'm going off. I the, haven't. I haven't looked into the shifts if that's what you're asking. I didn't. I didn't check that out. So maybe something to be digging into, but. I just feel like you might be right on that. Yeah. Because you naturally pull everything in the mate and then nationally, you can't give a full shift because somebody's got to play first base. Well, if you're a lefty, you can leave the entire left side of the infield open if you want, if somebody pulls it enough to where uh, that that's just part of my logic. And I need to look into, I'm sure there's some articles on this and I need to look and see it, look into it and see, because maybe I'll find out that my theory is full of crap. Okay, we've we're going long here on these guys. Let's move on to Aaron Judge at 28 overall. And Judge was near the 1-2 wheel last year. Injuries have knocked him back closer to the 2-3 wheel this go around. And what was amazing to me when looking at his fan graphs page the other day is that despite playing only 102 games, Judge had a 4.6 war. 4.6 wins above re- re- average replacement. In just 102 games. That's really impressive. Yeah, um, definitely. Judge yeah. is awesome. Judge is awesome. I mean, but let's say you have a top five pick here in a draft and you get, you know, one of these five outfielders that we listed at the top of the list. Do you think you'd double down if a guy like Judge was there or Harper? and take a second outfielder and just go back-to-back with an outfielder like Judge or Harper if you could? I think for me it would depend on which pitchers are on the board. Okay. Because I want to get pitcher in the first two or three rounds. I've done a couple mocks where I haven't, and it just I just don't like it that much. I want to get a pitcher uh, – high-end pitcher, whether it be, you know, probably not first round, but second round, third round, that's kind of what I'm looking at. So I would probably lean towards that, but it's nothing. I mean, it has nothing to do with, it's not like I don't like judge, you know, it's just kind of a team construction thing. I think that uh, getting the ace and I don't know. I feel like the like just pure power, which is what Judge is. I mean, he's fine in batting with batting average and stuff, but that's the easiest thing to get later. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to push somebody to the side a little bit early on, it's going to be for a guy that gives me steals or a guy that gives me a high batting average or a guy that is a pitcher. You know, I 
I just think it's those are more it's more scarce and harder to fill, and I'd probably rather do that. But if I didn't like the names, yeah, I'd probably take him. It just it really just depends on, like I said, the actual names that were there. I hundred percent agree with you. That's pretty much spot on for what I'd say in terms of probably taking a pitcher because I've taken an outfielder. You just don't want to get left behind on pitching too long without getting an ace. So yeah, I agree. No problem with Judge going where he's going. I actually, of the guys in the late second, I probably would move him up more closer to the mid-second, personally. But if I don't have a pitcher and I, and I think I'm seeing the last of a tier of pitchers I like, I'm going to take the pitcher. If there's a couple of them and I'm only going to pick again in a couple spots, I might chance it and take Judge. It just depends on what's on the board. So Yeah, yeah or like if, I, like if I took Trey Turner in the first round... I might do it. Or if I took Garrett Cole in the first round, I might mm-hmm. do it. Yes. But if I took Cody Bellinger in the first round, I don't think I would take Aaron Judge to back him up. Yeah. Per- personally. But. Yeah, you're, you've probably are hoping for 20 steals between the two as compared to what you'd be getting. I mean, you're get as compared to getting a Trey Turner, you got your steals filled. Man, that would be pretty sweet to start a draft with Trey Turner, Aaron Judge, and an ace. If you could get one in the top of the third. It's tough. Feel like these, it's these, I tell you, I've been seeing a lot of drafts. These aces are going higher than yeah, they are. I can really ever remember them going. They're getting pushed up more and more. I've seen people taking them with their top two picks, all kinds of crazy stuff. So Yep. Yeah, there's a lot going on with that, but... Okay, I've got another tier I'm going to go on here. We're going to li- I'm going to list off five outfielders that are going in what you could say is the third round of a 15-team draft here. Starlin Marte at 33, Austin Meadows at 35 overall, George Springer at 41, Keitel Marte at 44, and Charlie Blackman, 14th overall amongst outfielders, 45 overall. So how would you rank these five outfielders, Andrew? Uh, I would go, I think Marte and Springer are about even. I, if, if I already had steals, I would rather have Springer. But if I hadn't drafted steals yet, I'd rather have Marte. So I think those two are close. Starling Marte, that is. Uh, so yeah, Marte and Springer. And then Meadows, then Blackman. And then Keto Marte. Yeah. Um, I think I'm with you. I think I'm trying to think. I think Marte. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much exactly how I'd have it as I'm looking. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, okay, let's just list them off here. Uh, Marte projected for 22 home runs, 26 steals. Let's set do an over-under here at 48. What you, what you got? I, I would say slightly under, I would say like 20 home runs, 23 to 25 steals. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. And I think that I've said before, you know, we've said before with Marte, I know I have, but the, I think the steals are always at risk of dropping off. He is still really fast, so it may not be this year. Um, but you know, he's 31, 30 now. 
31. 31, so I'm looking right now. You just, you just never know for sure going forward with that. But, yeah, he's probably still fine for this year. And I wouldn't, like, hesitate if I was in this spot and needed steals. I've seen a lot of smart people take him in the third round. I think it's fine. Yeah, I took him. I can't remember if it was a mock or a real draft. I think it was a mock. I took him at the end of the second even just because all the pitching had been pushed up and all the outfielders I like had been were gone too. And I don't think I had speed yet for whatever reason. Maybe I'd taken, or I shouldn't say didn't have speed, but I think trout was my first pick in that draft. And I just, you just don't know what you're getting out of him. So I went Marte there thinking I could get one thinking I, there was a couple pitchers of that next year. I could wait on to try to grab one with that next pick. So I pushed Marte up all the way up to, I think, 29. And, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I've seen him go go there in a a few drafts, too. So I think that's that's fine if that's what you want. One thing with Marte is he's – the power is just isn't quite what you think. I mean, 20 and 23 the last two years, that's the two highest of his career. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not getting like 30 home runs with this guy, no. you know, and you oh, no. might get 15, I feel like. So, yes. you know, 15 to 18, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit 15 to 18, you know, so just something to keep in mind. It's not like legit five category production because the runs and ribbies are never real strong either because the lineup's bad. The average should be fine. The steals will probably be fine, but. The thing that was interesting, and I think it was Walter McMichael that had brought this to my attention last year, was he had never had 85 runs or RBI in a single season. And he finally had that, at least this last year, with 97 runs and 82 RBI. But those are not as high as you would expect for a guy who had 23 home runs, 25 steals, 295 batting average, 342 OBP. Uh, You would expect higher, but because... I think he's in Pittsburgh. Those numbers just don't get as high as you would expect. But also, still 25 bags in only 132 games. He did miss 30 games last season. So I, I could, if I was projecting, I would project more than the 25. I would take the over on that. If Steamer has him at 26, I think I'd probably be 26 to. I'd probably be upper 20s above that. Like I'd take the over on 26 steals. You, you want to make a bet on that one, actually? Or you, no, you just said you could see um, him being in the low 20s. You didn't say you'd project it. Tw- on 26? Yes. Yeah, I'll take the under, 26. Okay. You're writing this down, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the curtain joke, I can't ever remember to actually post these on the Baseball 365 Facebook group, and I keep texting Andrew like, um, I wrote down scribbles about some over under 24 home runs. Who was it? I think I asked you that twice, actually. Because <laughs> I can't remember as I'm doing this when recording yep. and posting it. And I just, by the time I remember again, it's the next episode. So I got it. I got Andrew it. is now going to remind me of these or at least post or post them. So, okay, we got a bet there. And I think that's, we're continuing the streak of getting bets out there. I think I looked. We have like nine already after making two all of last season. We're getting at it now. Yeah, we are. Okay. Uh, George Springer, when we talked about Bregman on the third base podcast, you were talking about him 
and his home road splits and hadn't looked into some of the others. Have you managed to look at Springer's home road splits yet? Yep, I got it. Okay, what'd you find out? So it's it's not quite as drastic as Bregman's, but it's it's interesting. So last year, this is just last year. 262 plate appearances at home, 294 on the road, so a few more on the road. Uh, home slash line, 287, 366, 565. Road slash line, 297, 398, 614. 18 homers at home, 21 on the road, 148 WRC plus at home, 163 WRC plus on the road. So nothing um, to fear there, it no, sounds like. No, nothing. I mean, home, and this is actually quite a bit drastic, but home, he had a 9.5% walk rate on the road, 14.3%. And home, he had 22.9% K rate, and on the road, 18%. Man, how do you explain it? Yeah, I know. I mean, and I went back to 18, 2018 to look, and he was actually a little bit better at home in 2018 than he was on the road. And in 2017, it was about even. And over his career, he's better on the. He's been better on the road. So yeah, again, it's like it wasn't quite as drastic as Bregman's was pretty drastic. This one wasn't quite as much, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like there's too much to worry about as far as just this strictly. Now, granted, there could be other factors that cause regression, but not sure that it's the uh, the cheating stuff, really. Well, good. Considering you're a big fan of him, I've come around. I was, and I think I'm a big fan of him now, compared much more than I felt like I was compared to the field the last few years. He's just a really good hitter, and. He's going to score a pile of runs hitting atop that lineup. But yeah, um, he, he is one of he's one of five players projected for 110 runs scored, and the other four all go in the top ten. So, just yep. another thing. I mean, I always say like with the the runs scored, it seems like a lot of people ignore it with Springer, but he's just always hitting at the top of that lineup. The lineup's awesome, obviously. It could be affected uh, as a whole based on all this stuff that's happened. We'll see. But going off of what we have, I mean, I love George Springer, man. Like, he's How's on two of my dynasty teams, and I really hope it doesn't affect him. That'll suck. 122 games last year, and he had 96 runs and 96 RBI. Basically, three yeah. quarters of a season, and he had nearly hit 100 100. With yeah. 39 home runs, might I add. Oh, yeah, just that. To where, you know, it's always a dangerous game to play the pace game. But if you just basically add another third to each of those, you're talking about how he paced for something close to 50 home runs and 120 RBIs and home runs. 125. Or, I'm sorry, RBIs and runs. That's just, he had a great year last year. Uh, my next question was actually... it you know, dynasty related. And let's just say you're in a dynasty startup and 
you drafted a team that really isn't set as a not competing yet or going to go for it now team. Maybe you've taken like a, I don't know, a trout and, and a youngster. Or so, I don't I don't know. I don't want to throw names out there, but it could be either one. It's a team, I guess if you draft trout, you're going for it now. But you've drafted guys in their 20s that kind of could be, you could your draft could go either direction and you're okay. And Meadows and Springer on the board there for you. Who are you taking first? That's a good question. I think that Springer is definitely better for the next couple of years. Probably. I agree. Um, that said, I mean, anytime you can hit the reset and go from age 29, 30, whatever Springer is, to age 24 – and basically get an extreme, you know, a similar guy. I mean, they're not that far off. It's not a bad idea to do. So I don't know. It's close. I, I might take Springer, but I don't feel great about it. I mean, the age difference is significant enough that I could probably be swayed there. Pretty close. Take a pick. Em. I think. Yeah. I think you could make that pick and then you're probably deciding which I shouldn't say which direction you're going because you could still draft Meadows and still be going yeah. for it. So yeah, I shouldn't say that. But if you do draft Springer, you're probably needing to push. Yeah. I, I I just I am confident Springer is better right now. Like I think that Meadows he's good, but I don't know. I just I think that he's kind of at that point where it's like, how much higher is he going to get? I, I just don't really think he's going to get a whole lot higher. I think he can be fine, like steady, you know, do what he's kind of did last year. And, but I mean, he's, it's been one year. I mean, he's had a, he had a couple rough years before that. And yes. I don't know. I'm kind of uncomfortable with him, honestly, here at 35 in a redraft league. I'm just, I'm not really into it. I agree. You know, I'm a big Meadows fan, but, you know, as I've done drafts and been in this point of the draft, I've not been going out of my way to draft him for what you said there. It's not like he was stealing a bunch of bags. I think that's the thing with him. He stole 12 bases and was caught seven times. It's not like he didn't, he just, you know, Albies, going back over to talking about Albies, only stole 14 the last two years, and I don't know why, but at least he's not getting caught. Meadows, I've Follow him closely. I've got him in both dynasty leagues, had him in one of the redrafts. So I think I had him in three of the four leagues and just wasn't running much, especially in that second half and was getting caught a lot. And the guy was just inconsistent during the year. He looked like a great player there from April and May and then went really cold for a few months and heated back up and just a lot of ups and downs during the season, which don't matter on the end game when you're looking at the end of season stats. But given it was a breakout year and he had these highs and lows, I just, yeah, I think I want to see what he does this year before I'd be going out of my way to get him in a draft at this point. I need to see it again. And like you said, unless those steals go up, I don't see the ADP moving up much higher. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, it just makes just makes me a little, little nervous. We um, we got to talk about this keto Marte here. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do this again? Let's do it. <laughs> I didn't even write a question on him, but go for it. Tell me what Man. your thoughts are. So I'll start with the good because there's not as much of it. Um, 
ground ball percentage is down. Fly ball and line drive percentage are both up. He's hitting the ball harder and he's hitting it in the air more. Low K rate. You know, things are trending up. He's 26. You know, a lot of that stuff is good. But man, I tell you, 44 overall with this guy, I I swear, like, if there is, out of all these shows that we do, if there is one that I can just say there is no way I will do that, it's Keto Marte at 44. It's probably near the top of my list. I just, there is no way I'm going to be sitting in a draft and be at the end of the third round and be like, oh, yep, let's pop Keto Marte right here. No chance. It won't happen. I don't remember which podcast I heard them say it, but it really spoke to me when I was listening to one in the last couple of weeks. And you were t- they were talking about one of these breakout players. And it's like, yeah, maybe they'll do what they did again. But the risk is there that they don't. And I got to see it again before I feel comfortable to wear the downs. Like I could see them p- repeating these stats and having a great year, but you're not baking in the downside of what if they don't in this with this ADP. And I think Keto Marte definitely fits in that, which is kind of what we're saying about Meadows. It's I don't know if it'd get much higher and you're baking in a lot of risk of downside without really and you're you're just you're not putting that in there when you're taking them at forty four overall. As compared to Blackman, the next pick right there, who has been very steady production, and yes, he's He's starting to trend down a little bit, but he's still putting up great stats, and he's playing in Colorado. Uh, give me Charlie Blackman over Keitel Marte <laughs> every day of the week. And yeah, you're not going to... I mean, gosh, Blackman only stole two bags last year, but he's going to hit for a high average. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's home run runs in RBI. Yeah, I'll take the steadiness with fewer steals than Keitel Marte, who would just... We got it. Has only done it once. Yeah, like I'm looking at here. So I was looking at this. Keto Marte's steamer projection is 296 with 23 homers and eight steals. For one, I would all day take the under on 296. I think that's too high. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at it, comparing him to some other guys. And these four guys all have pretty similar steamer projections to Keto Marte. So Keto Marte is 44 overall. At 85 overall, Jeff McNeil. Hmm. At 128 overall, Michael Brantley. Hmm. At 147 overall, David Dahl. And at 193 overall, Brian Reynolds. Those four guys all have at least a similar combination of stats there with average homer and steel projection like if you're at 44 and you want a dual eligible guy that is going to give you a good batting average floor and have some pop and like a small dash of speed why wouldn't you just wait and take jeff mcneil at 85 my guess is people that are drafting Keto Marte are not seeing that steamer projection or they're seeing it and thinking, I don't buy it. I think that's too conservative. I'm thinking he's good for 30 again. Yeah, maybe. Because that's the only argument you can make. Because if you're looking at that steamer projection, you can't take him here if you think that's close to accurate. 
I think that's what it is. People yeah. are seeing the third. They're looking at the stats from last year as compared to looking forward, or they're thinking that the stats last year are legit. One of the two, because yeah, twenty three and eight is not going to be a player that you're taking around here. I plugged in his steamer projection into the <laughs> oh boy auction calculator, and he was sixteen. The six, the sixty first overall player. Going How many dollars was that? Eighteen and a half. Okay, so, so it's not. Off. It's actually not terrible if he does that. Like I said, I don't think he's hitting two ninety six. His expected batting average the last four years two fifty five, then three oh six. So it went up. Then it went down to two sixty one. Not then it went up to two ninety nine. It's a little all over the place. I mean, yeah, I think he could hit in the two nineties, but I also think he could hit in the two sixties. Like it's not going to surprise me. Why is his so, batting average so weak, given the fact that he's got a career 15% strikeout rate? That's low for batting, a guy who strikes batting, out that little. What do you mean batting average weak? Why is his batting average like 260 career? in 2018? Yeah, tw- 260 in 2017. Uh, yet his strikeout rates were well, 14 he, and 13%. To be fair, there was he was still growing as a player then. I mean, yeah. I get all that too. You know, like you can't. It's hard to judge a guy that's 26 off of numbers from two, three, four years ago. I get that, but yeah, man, I just, I just can't do it. 44 overall, there's just no way I'm doing it. I, there's too many other guys that I feel like I can get much later that'll provide me with the 23 and eight, or tw- let's just even say 25 and 10. And I don't buy the 296 average. Like, I, like I said, I would take the under on probably 290 i would take the under on 290 i was about to set you so, at a 285 and just play an over under on that yeah I'd, pro- I'd probably even take that so you want a 365 betted i don't even feel strongly but just for grins and it'll be fun to come back on 285 batting average That's write fine. it down i'll take, I'll take the under <laughs> over under ketel average we got two bets 285 average. Two two Marte bets. <laughs> Is there another Marte in the outfield? Or are we out of them? I think we're out of them. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we'll just move on then. Uh, 15 through 18, we got Whit Merrifield at 15 at 51 overall. We'll discuss him on second base podcast. 16, Giancarlo Stanton at 55. Uh, overall, 17's Chris Bryant at 56. We've already talked about him on the third base podcast. And 18 overall is Eloy Jimenez at 57. So we got two outfielders on this tier to discuss. The final two we're going to talk about on this show. That's Giancarlo and Eloy. Uh, they're pretty much even in a single season redraft league. Who are you taking between these two boppers? Stanton. Yeah. It's not. It's not really even to me. But yeah. And I you and I looked, both I, have talked about we could see an Eloy absolute blow up happening this year. But yeah, I'm with you. And then, I'm taking Stanton. And then if, if Eloy does have that absolute blow up, he's Stanton. Yeah. But Stanton already is Stanton. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, projected to lead the league in homers with 49. I will say, I. I think that's really aggressive for Stanton, 49 bombs. I mean, I was looking at 
his career, and I think he's played 150 games three times, mm-hmm. and he's Correct. hit 49 once, over 49 once. He hit 59 the one year, yeah, so, uh, hit- three, three years ago. The other two, he hit 38 and 34. And he had another where he played 145 and hit 37. I mean, we all know Stan's capable of hitting 50, 60. I mean, where, where does it? Where's the limit? But uh, to project 49, man, that's a lot. I'm with you especially, on that. Especially when you consider that he's somewhat of a, at least somewhat of a candidate to miss games. I mean, I don't. I, I've said before, I don't like playing that with hitters too much because I think it's fluky, but he has more of it than the average guy. Yeah. So. Yep, I agree. He's un- He is a big-bodied guy who a lot of these years when he goes in the first round, I've been wary of taking him because of his size. I just I don't feel comfortable with it. But I think it's swung way too far the other way to move down here to 55 overall. Stanton's one of my favorite buys this year in redraft leagues. And I've only done one redraft so far. That was the Rotomasters draft and hold that we had Chris with Chris Winder. And I have Stanton on that team. And when we do our next draft and hold at the end of February, the baseball 365, I think there's a pretty good chance he'll be on my team again, just depending on where we're at because I am – he is well above 55 for me in the in overall ranks if I was to be making them. I'm I'm definitely getting my shares of him here. I just he's he's a great buy. Now Eloy is interesting and I do want to bring up what I brought up when we talked about him before. He was having a very very good second half after, you know, after hitting like 240 at the All-Star break and having an OBP sub sub 300 and he's not a walker i do want to add that but in the second half he was absolutely blowing up with a 292 batting average and 15 home runs in 59 games he was playing incredibly well and then he but he i think he had some injuries in there or something or there i think between him missing time this year and a few other things his numbers didn't really show it i don't think he has the helium that he could have he could have had if he had been stayed healthy all year, but and I could see a breakout coming with him this year. But yeah, I'm taking Stanton, the guy who you're hoping Eloy turns into, as compared to taking the guy who's already been doing. Or I'm taking the guy who's been doing it as compared to the guy you're hoping does what he did, Stanton does. Yeah, I I would definitely take the under on Eloy's batting average projection is 279. I think that's high. And I'd probably take the over on his homers, though. I I think he's a candidate to hit a lot of home runs, potentially. But yes. If he plays 141 games like they project, I think he's close to 40 home runs is what I would project. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I I don't know. I don't, I'm not really feeling the 279, I don't think. But that's I don't think I mean, it'll be far I, from I still, it. I still like Eloy. I mean, he's fine. It's just... I think that there might be a smidge of he's young and could blow up in -hmm. this price. Like, I could easily see him not returning this value. Who has a higher batting average this year, Eloy Jimenez or Giancarlo Stanton? 
about the same, I think. Okay. Like 265, 270 would be my somewhere in there. What if I gave you five points? I don't want to. I'm, I'm oh. Done nah, I'm done. <laughs> okay. I think I trust. Bets. Yeah. It's too fluky. I mean, it's just. You're right. That's all for I fun. mean, it, yeah. It, it, they could hit 300 if they get lucky. You know, it's just. Yes. Either one of them. Could. I just think. Um, yeah. I just think it's on the high end, personally, the 279. Okay. Did you have any thoughts on Blackman? We just skipped over him. We didn't even talk about him. No. I mean, we kind of talked about a lot of these guys. He's very steady production, who I love his value where he's at. I mean, he's he's very, he's Mr. Steady. So I didn't really have yeah. much else to add. Did you have something else you wanted to say? No, not really. I mean, he's, he's good. Batting, batting average and runs are pretty elite and power yep. is yep. good so good player yeah yeah i think he's uh properly valued really but just curious your thoughts yeah he's good all right well we'll wrap that up here i think we've talked pretty give, gone really good and really well in depth on these top 18 outside of the ones we've already done and we're going to be back in a couple days and we're going to carry on with the outfield. I think we're going to try probably to go from 19 to 45 on this next podcast. We've got a bunch of players still to talk about, Andrew. Yep. Outfield. It never ends. <laughs> it is definitely the never ending position that and starting pitchers. You just keep on going because there's more yeah. of them to talk about, but there's yeah, going to be some fun ones on next podcast where I know we'll have some good conversations about Victor Robles Loriano, I think he'll be fun to talk about. Oh, who else is in there? Ben Attendi and what's going on with him down to Brantley and Tucker. There's there's going to be some fun conversations to ha- be had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. It's Outfield's fun. It's a fun position. So, until then, when, let's see. We've got the Super Bowl to talk about. It's going to be this next weekend, but I think we'll save that for the next podcast when we're just yeah. a little closer to the Super Bowl and we'll make our official predictions then. But in the meantime, I, I anything else going on this week? No, not really. Just kind of laying low right now, so. Laying low before the storm. I think we talked about that yeah. last week with all your drafts coming up and didn't you find out there's another draft you got in February? You added another? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even add it. I just found out it was drafting. I think it's February nineteenth, so it's a twenty team twenty team redraft league that Tim runs. He sent out an email, and it was like drafts February nineteenth, and it's a, it's a day I'm going to be available. So I was happy about that. I was just like, man, it's right in the middle of everything else. So it'll be fun, man. It's going to be a crazy month. Your poor employers trying to keep you occupied during the next month. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And yeah, me too. I mean, I don't have quite as many as you, but yeah, it's it's just a big month for us. So Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Well, we'll get back next week unless you got anything else to add. We'll get out of here until next week. Does that sound good? Or not yep, next I'm week, good. but in a couple days, I should say. We'll be back yeah. in a couple yes. days with part two of the outfield. Yep. Sounds All good. right. Take care, everybody. Take care, guys. 
Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.